Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. On our journey through Acts of the Apostles, always asking the question, of course, what about Acts for today? We told the story last week of the death of Stephen. He was stoned, he died, and the effect of that, Colin, was tremendous. The church started to be persecuted even more. Saul witnessed Stephen's death. You said last week we had to ask the question, why did God allow Stephen to die? God, of course, doesn't look upon death in quite the same way as we do. Um, Death seems such a, a final act. But, of course, for a Christian, it's just the gateway into a greater relationship with Jesus Christ in glory. And so Stephen, as, as he dies, says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he is expecting to go to be with the Lord. So uh, for him, this is victory. This is glory. This is wonderful. Uh, the grieving of is always with those that have lost someone, those that are left behind. So uh, we can't grieve for Stephen. And... Saul, who of course later became the great apostle Paul, witnessed Stephen's death. He did so with approval. He, he of course, was very much an enemy of Jesus at that time and persecuted the church himself subsequently. Uh, He was even the leader of the persecution against the church uh, and was on the way to Damascus, as, as we shall read later in Acts, uh, when when he met with the Lord himself and, and was um, uh, converted. Now, what we can't know is what effect the death of Stephen and the way in which he died, the grace with which he died, praying uh, for the forgiveness of those who were condemning him, uh, what kind of effect that had on Saul. It was probably one of a whole series of things because I'm sure a lot of the people that he persecuted were witnessing to him about Jesus and about the fact that he is the Messiah and so on. And, of course, Saul wouldn't have wanted to hear any of this. He would have closed his ears to all of that kind of thing. But all these events, no doubt, were stages in a whole process of preparing the way for the t- the time that Saul met with Jesus. And subsequently, of course, he was going to be the one who would cause the church to be planted and grow and develop in all the Gentile nations of the time. So this, in God's economy, is planting a seed that will, in fact, bear abundant fruit because the whole of, of sort of Western Christendom really comes out of Paul's um, ministry. And even more so than that, uh, we have a third of the New Testament written by him, and we have such great and wonderful understanding of the meaning of the crucifixion and of the whole work of salvation that was accomplished through Jesus. And all this, you see, uh, comes out of uh, this event. People might um, ask the question, though, Colin, you know, sometimes terrible things happen to good people, and it always raises this question, was this God's will? So was it God's plan that Stephen should die in this way? Well, not even a sparrow can fall to the ground without God knowing. 
So, of course, God in his foreknowledge knew that Stephen would die. He was very much, the scripture says, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in what he said to those Jewish leaders. And there again, God you know, uses someone to really confront people with the truth in a totally uncompromising way, which is what Stephen did. Now, he paid the price for that with his life. But out of that death, uh, how many others came to the Lord? How many other lives were, were transformed? We shall never know. But uh, I believe it was certainly within God's permissive will in his overall plan, if you like, uh, for Stephen to be translated to glory early. Let's look at it that way, because I think that's how God sees it. Uh, he doesn't see it as a disaster that somebody dies so young, because, of course, today many people are being martyred. I mean, every day many people are being martyred for faith in Christ all over the world. <clears throat> and God knows that, and God does not step in to hinder or prevent that. And uh, I think the important thing is to see that because he is the great redeemer, God can redeem every situation where such a death takes place. So much good can come out of the sowing of the blood of the martyrs. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I think all we can do in the final analysis is, is to say, well, God knows exactly what he's doing. God could step in at any moment and prevent Stephen or anybody else from dying. But uh, the reward for faithfulness and martyrdom in heaven, according to the scriptures, is great, is wonderful. There's a very, very special, uh, I believe, blessing for those who do give their lives in that way um, because Jesus said each man will be rewarded according to what he has done. So to give your life for the sake of the kingdom like that and for the glory of God is going to be greatly rewarded for all eternity. So I don't think we need to look at this as a disaster. Now, that doesn't mean that all the people that die prematurely die in the perfect will of God. I think a lot of people um, you know, die before the time that God would have wanted them to die, although in his foreknowledge he knew when they would die. So we've got to be careful that we don't say, well, therefore, everybody who dies um, you know, prematurely before their full lifespan, this was God's will for them. I think we've got to be very careful about that because it's one thing to die as a result of direct action by the enemy. It's another thing to die actually because you are serving the kingdom through your death. So if, if we can make that kind of distinction, I think it's helpful. Well, the effect was enormous. The church was subject to great persecution. Yes. Um, now, often you see during these times of persecution, uh, as it says here, all the believers except the apostles fled to places of safety in Judea and Samaria. But godly men buried Stephen's body and mourned deeply for him. Persecution often causes the gospel to spread. People disperse. And remember, in these early chapters of Acts, the gospel had not spread very far. It was still um, very much a local affair. It was, the church was still predominantly Jewish. See, that situation didn't, didn't come, didn't change until Saul's conversion. Now, it's reckoned that Saul was converted 
about seven years after the resurrection of Jesus. So you've got a seven-year span between the resurrection and Saul's uh, conversion. We can't be exactly um, precise about when Peter went to Cornelius's house, because that, you see, was a big thing, because he was breaking the, um, the Jewish tradition and going into a Gentile house. But that was probably about 10 years after the uh, resurrection of Jesus. So although he told the apostles, go into all the world, they certainly hadn't done so for 10 years. And uh, you've got Paul's conversion about seven years after the resurrection. Now, he was let loose for just a short period of time. Then God took him away to Arabia and taught him the gospel for three years, which brings us up to about 10 years after the resurrection, which is probably about the time that Peter went to Cornelius's house. So it was about that era, about 10 years after the resurrection, that then the, the early church began to obey this command to go into all the nations. Now, that is as far as the apostles and leaders were concerned. During those 10 years, many believers, of course, that were there right at the beginning on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit fell, they had come from all the different nations. If you remember, they heard the disciples when they were speaking in, in uh, tongues, they were speaking in languages that were learned for all these people from different nations that were there for the feast. And so they would have gone back to their nations. They would have taken the gospel. And others subsequently who had traveled to um, Jerusalem, they would have taken the gospel. So there certainly would have been some witnessing and some evangelism going on through believers. But as far as we can tell from scriptures, there wasn't really the establishing of Gentile churches until several years after the resurrection of Jesus. So if Paul started persecuting the church very early on, do you think it's conceivable that he actually heard Jesus preaching? Um, well, it's reckoned that Saul was about 16 at the time of Stephen's death. Oh, he was very young. Then. So he was very young. I mean, he would certainly be in his later teens, which is why he was consenting to it, but he wasn't really part of, uh, of the number of people that were condemning Paul. He wasn't joining in the stoning. Uh, people just laid their um, their outer garments that they took off uh, at the feet of Saul. So he was probably uh, somewhere in his latter teens. Um, but you see, it says in verse 3 of chapter 8, Saul tried to destroy the church wherever he could. He went from house to house, dragging off both men and women to be thrown into prison. Now, this seems, therefore to imply that there is quite a considerable time gap between the end of chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8. Uh, the Acts of the Apostles is, is a wonderful testimony of, of the early church, but the one frustrating thing about it is that it doesn't give us all the timing <laughs> and dates, and the whole of Acts covers about a 30-year period. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 